everybody. Welcome to A Year Ago Today. I'm your host, Tyla Fowler, and I'm here in my apartment in Fort Greene, Brooklyn, New York, with Bouquet Gulbayaz. <laughs> Hi, Bouquet. Hi. How are you? Fine. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> um, Bouquet, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure. Um, I am Bouquet Gulbayaz. Uh, I'm 27 years old, Turkish woman, living in um, Queens, New York. Um, and I'm an actor, but I think nowadays I feel more like, like a, in general, theater person. Mm. That's kind of like what I do. Mm. I want to live there. I want to just spend time there, night, day. So like it's like theater person. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Like, yeah. Whatever I can do to be in a theater, exactly. I'll do it. Yes, like I want to come early, do stuff, leave late, you know, like just like stay there, talk to people, and do some shows sometimes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's like a description for me right now. Mm, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'll share that the way Bouquet and I know each other is that Bouquet performed in a show with my ex-boyfriend, um, who many of you know of, he's a, he's a common fixture in the conversation here, um, and so I've had the pleasure of seeing her perform, oh, she you. lights up the stage, <laughs> and it's interesting, and I just have to pause to say that so many of the wonderful people I have in my life are because of that relationship, and I'm forever grateful for that. And it feels good to acknowledge that. So, of course, here we are. Yeah, <laughs> and I should thank to um, Matt because that's why I know you. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, um, and it was, yeah, you know what? I really thought about this um, moment that we met. So it just happened to me so many times, you know, because I had literally no one when I came here. Mm -hmm. So I met everybody at some point mm -hmm. because of theater or like because of other friends but yours it was like a true connection and you know sometimes you're in a bar it's after show everybody's like kind of like excited like you know everybody's like chatting but I just I felt like oh I'm not gonna ignore this because it's not just one of these I'm gonna meet this girl and forget her name mm. and it didn't we really started talking about deep things mm -hmm. like immediately so and I thought about that like I talked to my friends about that and I told about you because oh. you're like a life coach like you know and we talked about that so thank you because, oh, yeah welcome. you bring me back to your real life <laughs> no that's okay oh, that's so nice thank you so much and here we are now which yes. is so great I'm so excited for this conversation all right, so I'm gonna invite you to close your eyes. And I like to put a hand on my heart and a hand on my womb space. Mm -hmm. So if you feel called to do that, feel free. And just start taking a few deep breaths and feeling back into everything that was coming up for you three years ago all the thoughts and feelings you were having and all of the nerves and mm, all of the energy that was present. And when you feel like you really landed in something, 
Share with me in one word how you're feeling. Scared. Yeah, a lot of emotion coming up for yeah. you. But so many things at the same time. But why I say scared? Because I was, like, even if I was experiencing maybe some joyful moments or, like, curiosity, because I just went back to that time that I landed mm. you know it's the, the actual airport. landing yeah, yes, at the, the airport. airport and not even you know just go through the um, the checkpoint mm -hmm. with my luggage and my boyfriend at the time mm. ex <laughs> gotta love those ex-boyfriends oh god <laughs> and you know it's just now I see it Clearly, because even if it was, as I said, curiosity or excitement, I was so scared to not let these things, you know, take me over. Or like, it was like an overall emotion, mm -hmm. being scared, that didn't let any other emotion to come out. Mm -hmm. I was, of course, happy to be here. Well, let's tell everybody what was yeah. going on. So where were you three years ago today? What was going on? Uh, three years ago today. <laughs> I was at the JFK airport, just landed, um, and it was my first time coming from Turkey. Mm. And my first time I arrived in New York um, without knowing anyone from my family or having any close friends or knowing where I'm going to stay, where I'm going to live, where is my school, because I came here for the school to study. and knowing nothing about this city mm -hmm. just exactly nothing because I'm not also like so I, I was not even that familiar with the culture but yeah that airport moment because you know just because you when you don't know so many things mm -hmm. then you come up with your um, assumptions mm -hmm. and I see them right now like so many assumptions some of them came true some of them were completely wrong mm -hmm. so um then then it makes sense why i was scared yeah that's yeah. a big so three years ago coming to america mm -hmm. for the first time yeah. with the intention of going to school here yes with your boyfriend at the time yeah but other than that you didn't really know anybody no one we didn't actually we just because we didn't have any friends as well, we uh, just arranged a, an Airbnb mm -hmm. and stayed there for a week. And in that week, I learned uh, where's my school. Uh, I found a pl place to stay. And I still stay at the same house, by the way, for three years. Uh, I learned how I can go from that house to the school. Mm -hmm. You know, just one route. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which which trains I have to use, which bus. And then we went to school one time to see uh, where is, you know, how do you enter, how do you exit. It was a huge city to me. And I we got lost so many times in the subway. It was just <laughs> terrible. <laughs> terrible. And we felt like 
oh my god we know nothing yeah like, even you know subway is a challenge yeah. it's just a huge challenge i always take for granted when people come here and they get so overwhelmed by the subway yeah. and i'm like it's so easy it's so easy to navigate yeah. like what's the big deal and i, I forget sometimes how how overwhelming it can be there's you know, so many people here too it's it's not the people actually because mm. the city I lived for six years to study my undergrad it's it can be 20 maybe now but like 18 million mm. it was 18 million mm -hmm. by the at the time what city is that Istanbul okay so you were in Istanbul for yes. undergrad yes and what did you study I studied mathematics and I didn't finish it and I changed the philosophy and I finished it <laughs> I did that mm -hmm. so um, yes it, it's not the people you know what is crazy it's like even more and more frustrating uh, when you go to the market mm. because it just takes time to find us find a like a bottle of water mm -hmm. there's so many options mm, yeah huge huge uh, aisles and huge shelves and you just feel like, oh my god. Like, I just want some water. I just want... <laughs> and it's it's just frustrating. And you feel... Because you already feel small. And feel like you don't know anything. And you feel helpless. Mm -hmm. And, like, few options or few solutions you have. You, you brought with you. And then, even the simplest thing on earth... Is just so challenging. Then you think, oh my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? It's just going to eat me. The city is just going to eat New York will do that. Yeah. I feel like that's another thing, a theme on this show, is people talking about like how challenging New York can be. Mm -hmm. It's a real unique place. Yeah. So, what made you choose to come here? So, um, <laughs> it's the school. Mm -hmm. I studied at the Actors Studio Drama School. Mm -hmm. and So you finished up philosophy. Yes. And then you were like, now I want to go act. Is that... I always wanted to do that. It's mm. just, you know what's so funny? I always felt like, like, like how I am like right now, how I feel right now. Like, uh, just uh, like myself. Mm -hmm. And nobody named me as actor nobody my family nobody called me or thought me as an actor which was fine i didn't say i was an actor but then i always knew mm -hmm. and then when i got my acceptance and came here and then suddenly everybody talk about me as an actor mm -hmm. and i'm like i always felt the same way it's just how you see guys like you know nothing changed in me so i always wanted to act but you know i'm like it's just the perception, maybe. And I didn't have a chance to go to the drama school in Turkey. So when I finished my undergrad, I said, oh my God, this is the last time. Because I applied for some masters and PhDs in, in the field of philosophy. <laughs> and I realized I'm going to be in, like a professor or something. And in, yeah. This is my path. You're like, I'm on, I'm on a track. Yes. Mm -hmm. Then I said, that's the last time. The last call to apply for drama school. Then um, only I knew Actors Studio Drama School at the time because probably maybe because of Marlon Brando or like, you know, <laughs> I don't know, like Al Pacino, like these guys. Yeah. And 
and like Stanislavski, Ilya Kazan, Lee Strasberg, like these people, like I had names in my mind. And also I realized only school that I can apply with a video audition is Actors Studio Drama School. So I didn't have to come here for auditions. Mm. I just sent a one minute video. Had you done any acting before? Yeah, I mean, I I was in the theater club in my university, you know, it's just like, you know, student, this one of these student clubs uh -huh. that like you do as a hobby. I mean, we took it really seriously, you know, yeah. I can't underestimate that. But um, I didn't have any education or I didn't really know anything about myself, like as if, like, can I act? Like, this was a question. Yeah. <laughs> And I still had this question when I came here. It doesn't mean anything when you get like acceptance. Oh, I beg to differ because a lot of people apply to those programs and don't get in. So I'll have to fight you on that. And say yeah. it, it does mean something to just get accepted. I think it just, but like it differs from school to school. Mm -hmm. I think this one, it just fit me. You know, it's just like a. If it doesn't fit, you just go somewhere else. Like, you don't have to push it because it's so specific. It's, like, so, so specific. And it's about you and how you know yourself. Like, it's about the self, mm -hmm. overall yeah. journey of self. And if you don't really want to deal with that, just don't spend your time. And there are other schools and, you know, things to, to do and learn. So you can just... I'm, I was lucky mm -hmm. that it happened to fit me. So you applied, you mm -hmm. got in, and you were like, I'm going. <laughs> and what about this boyfriend that was with you? What What was his oh. deal? How did, like, he was just like, I'm going to come with you? Or did he have a plan about what he was going to do? Is he an actor as well? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was studying engineering, mm -hmm. in, in mechanical in, engineering in Turkey. Um... And I don't think he loves it, but, you know, you have to study something. Whatever. So, at the time, we were in our fourth year. Mm -hmm. And um, it was also a challenge, you know. It's just still like one of these big uh, guilts in me, in a way. I thought I would go there to the States and study and even come back or like maybe he would come back but i believe that we're gonna just keep this relation going you know like yeah of course when you, <laughs> every time you're in a relationship you're like this is the one <laughs> how many times have i thought that now <laughs> too many times but like four year and like i was truly in love yeah and um, I mean, he was too, probably, because he was just broke, and he, I don't know how he met, I think he just got some money from people, or like, you know, took credit from bank, whatever he did, mm -hmm. the, because the, ex, like, the flight um, tickets are so expensive, so we literally did our best to get the tickets, you know, arrange a week of Airbnb here, and came here. How... How did you manage that legally? Like, I mean, I don't know how easy it is to just come to America. Like, did you come on a visitor? I'm sure you had a student, yeah, a student visa. Yeah, it's a student visa. Yeah. And if it's for master's, uh, I think only for master's, it's, um, or PhD, it's F1. Mm -hmm. So I was, like, you know, lucky because otherwise it's just difficult. Like, mm -hmm. we have to put it there. So I, and he was on a tourist visa. So he was just like, you know, like a regular tourist. And I came with my student visa. So 
even if this was the case, I was so scared when they check our pass passports. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what it was like three years ago, but now when you come into the country, it's terrifying. It's, Even as a citizen, it it's really scary. I feel like it's gotten very, it's gotten very militarized. I feel like lately, there's a much mm -hmm. stronger police presence. I don't know if you mm -hmm. have you been home and come uh, back. It has been a while. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I don't know. Well, let's talk about what was it like. You've got your bags. Yes. <laughs> you oh. get off the plane. You're tired because long flights are the worst. Well, I feel that way. I hate long flights, but... I know, Do you but like flying or do you hate flying? I I was scared also because it's like, it's so long. It's like 10 hours. Can yeah. you believe that? You're like, what, am I, what if I go crazy on the plane? <laughs> and half of it is over the ocean. Yeah. Like, you know, you want to see a land underneath, yeah, but like, yeah. it's just ocean. And like, what if we just like, you know, yeah. just start falling down right Plumbing now? Plumbing to our death, yeah. Yes. But didn't happen. And it, the airports, they're like even more scarier. Mm. So we... I was carrying, somehow I was carrying his luggage and he was carrying mine. Mm -hmm. But I checked that I have some food in my bag. Mm. And I gave it to him, and to the, to the officer. And then he's like, okay, let me see what you have. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's not mine. That's my <gasps> boyfriend's. And I saw my friend already passed the gate. Mm. And he left. And I'm like, now I'm like in a, in, a, in a position as if I'm lying, you know. I yeah. say, I have this. And then suddenly I say, this is not my bag. He's like, whose bag is that? I'm like, it's my boyfriend's. I, sh I point him. He's not there anymore. <laughs> and I'm like, suddenly, like, uh. so like into pieces. Yeah. This was the first crisis already because it just like made me feel like how can you just leave me behind mm. and you know just go through the doors should have known right then it was never gonna work <laughs> <laughs> no i think he was just also really like not present yeah because like we were it's huge i don't know there's so many people around you don't know where to go like the moment you arrive you're like now what a uh, taxi okay and there's this another color of taxi and people talk about uber and people say don't trust that and there's also other things like and you just try to like measure okay how long it's gonna take how much you know and the difference between that that's what i do usually when i arrive first the difference between Turkish liras and the dollar, mm -hmm. United States dollar, which was the big like the debate last week, mm -hmm. because the currency uh, it changes, mm -hmm. and it's amazing sometimes. Just last week, at one point, one United States dollar it was equal to seven Turkish liras, mm -hmm. which is unbelievable. It's just so much, and you come. Let's say I came with. 7,000 Turkish liras and it's suddenly 1,000 United States dollars. Mm -hmm. So your money just melts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know that. Feeling. And you have to think about everything. Yeah, you're like, how much cent. is this really costing me? Yes. Yeah. Anyway, we made it to the house, this house that we um, rented. So we knock the door, they open it, and we are suddenly like in a sitcom house. Like this house, like uh, you can see in Friends or something. Mm. Like there's a fridge, boxes, boxes and boxes of cereals. <laughs> uh, people just like hang out in the living room. They smoke and they just like really casually say hi. Like nobody really cares about you and they show you your room. And we're like, 
hi look at everybody and like just pass by this like literally like a set piece of set like you know it's like a movie thing that's so funny yes. since the play <laughs> the play that Bouquet was in that Matt was also in was about an Airbnb oh that's true yeah oh my god yeah that's so interesting I didn't really yes it's like a different kind of living condition like nobody I mean how much you can care about this other person that Not you much. want to see for a week yeah, well, I since Matt and I broke up, I've been Airbnb-ing the second bedroom. Okay. So I can tell you, as someone who runs an Airbnb, I, you can't care that much because people are constantly in and out, you know? Mm. You're like, hi, where are you from? Welcome. Mm. Here's the room. Here's the Wi-Fi password. Let me know if you need anything. Yes. <laughs> like, Even if you want to, like, yeah. this person is just going to leave in a week. Yeah. But... Then we just like, and and it was it was fine because we were not ready ready to connect yeah. with people. We just wanted to get in a room, and just you know like see what's going on here. Yeah. Where are we? Like what's going on? Okay, we're in a room, and everything is so new. You know, like this lifestyle. It's just like probably the person was around our age, mm -hmm. but you know, being from a different culture. It was like from a different age, era. Mm. Like he was living in 2050s and we're coming from 2015. Mm. You know, I felt like that. I felt like I'm behind uh, these teens here. Mm -hmm. Like, you know. And I was 24 at the time. And I felt like a grandma, probably. Like, because everything is new, then it means that you are not catching up with the world. Mm -hmm. You know, and this is the world you're going to live in. And um, then I'm like, I think I'm going to take a shower. <laughs> and that, that was unbelievable. I went to the bathroom and it's just a shower, you know. And I opened the hot water and it's just coming through the, the you know, the blow level. The faucet. Yes. And I want to take a shower, but I couldn't find how to make it go. How to make yeah. it go up. And can you believe this? I just said to myself, how difficult can it be? Yeah. Like, it's just, there are not millions of ways to do it, but I couldn't figure out. And I took a shower like that. <laughs> <laughs> just there, oh. kneeling. Oh I was afraid or you just ask the question. embarrassed. You're already naked. Like, <laughs> yes. I'm just so embarrassed to acknowledge that I don't even deal with the shower. Yeah. And it's hard to ask those kinds of questions when you're like, I feel like I should know this. I know. But toilet and the shower are like different. <laughs> like, you know, wherever you go, you go to Europe, it's different. You go to Japan, it's different. Yeah. So you're like, how do I work this thing? And they're so basic and you have to use them. Yeah. <laughs> you cannot just, okay, I'm going to pass this. If it makes you feel any better, I was at a yoga studio yesterday and I went to take a shower, and I couldn't figure out how to do it. <laughs> I was like, how does this work? I did figure it out, but it took a minute. <laughs> and I was already like, you know, so... I was defeated, mm -hmm. in a way. Mm. I accepted that it's hard, I don't know this world, but also I need to find kind of like strength. And I said, I just want to do this. I came all the way knowing that I don't know anything. 
then this helped me actually in the school because I accepted immediately I don't know anything I had some friends in the class and they're like okay now I'm this and in three years I'm gonna be giving my Oscar speech I'm like wow you know like how how much confidence you have have any of them won an Oscar? No. <laughs> I didn't no. think you were going to say so. But like, give, give some time. Like, yeah. give, like let's see what's going to happen this year. Yeah, I was just say, it has been three years though. <laughs> no, we just finished the school. But I think it just affected a little bit my um, self-confidence. Yeah. It, it affected, it just, I was fine with myself most of the time in my life. I, you know, I was a good student in Turkey. I had friends and nice family relationships, stable personal relationship with this boyfriend and people who love me, you know, they were around me and here just suddenly I was stripped of everything, yeah. all kind of social relationships, all kind of knowledge about the daily life and then I had to deal with people's perspective of me. That never happened to me before. I, you know, you say, okay, I'm this white woman from there, ta da da. Like I was like this in Turkey. I was just a white Turkish woman, mm -hmm. and we have other minorities, of course, other languages. But like, you know, mine was like the language. You're like the majority. Exactly. I never felt like I was being discriminated in any way. I mean, as a woman mm -hmm. in Turkey, yes, but then I realized. And then you oh, came to America, yes. <laughs> where we are big into discrimination. I mean, I, now I see it's like almost every country. And like, I, I was. Until you are being discriminated, you really don't know how racist you are. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? I do, I do know what you mean, I do. <laughs> I recently, I mean, like... It's only this year that I've started to really understand how misogyny works mm -hmm. and sexism, like in a really, like to understand how much it's affected me in my life, mm -hmm. sexism and misogyny. And as soon as I started to understand those things, it helped me understand all the ways I've been racist that I didn't know I was being racist. See? Because it too. takes being the, it takes understanding how oppressed you are, I think, to understand how oppressive you've been to others, yes. which is this whole crazy crazy dynamic so what was that like for you how did you experience discrimination when you got here um so in general this moment is like a moment so you you f you feel like okay this is not true about myself that whatever you are thinking or saying mm. but i look at your eyes and i see that you have no idea i mean i was kind of like lucky that these people said or did things not on purpose mm -hmm. like they were not really aware of how what you know what they were saying so i couldn't really blame them <sighs> and i know that it was coming from a place of ignorance but then it hurt me and i'm like wow that's that's being discriminated yeah. and i did this and i had no idea and now i don't know what to do yeah. like i then i couldn't say anything yeah. so here's the thing example uh, I went to spend um, like a couple of days in a friend's house and it's his, her family's house. So I met the parents and then I was telling my 
family back home in Turkey, knowing that I'm gonna go stay with this friend and her family, just saying that, okay, we are here, I met these people, they are nice, you know, they're like, they are like afraid that something is gonna happen to me, they don't know anything. And I just was letting them know. And I was on my phone, and this friend's father said, like a joke, <laughs> he was making a joke, okay, just to be clear, he said, Oh, let's say now you press a button and explode a bomb somewhere. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, what? You're like, okay, I'm not a terrorist. Are you kidding me? That's what you want to say at the moment. But then you look at his face and he's laughing. And it's just like a common joke. Like, it's like, of course she's from Turkey. What what kind of a joke am I going to do? Like, the I'm only gonna thing do that I happen kind of... to know about Turkey is that there are terrorists there because I'm ignorant. And it's not that he was saying that I am a terrorist, but he was like, oh, ho, 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 like, let's say you press a button because that's, you know, apparently how they do it. Uh, and I didn't really know what to say. And I left, too. Can you believe that? I yeah, laughed. I can. How many times we laugh even though oh something hurts? God. We're like, yes. yeah, that's so funny. Yeah. <sighs> Inside, we're like, oh, my God, I can't believe they just said that. Then I felt, <sighs> then I thought, okay. And then he, he, he went, he exceeded that. He just went all the way. Just, mm. you know. He didn't stop there. Didn't stop there. Uh, he called me refugee. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> so many things. You can't see, so but I things. just, like, literally had a jaw drop moment. <laughs> <laughs> I always, I'm like, maybe I should start doing these with videos so people can see our <laughs> reactions, right? Yeah. Um, so, okay. And that's really strange because I remember thinking I cannot go anywhere because they need to drop me to the station and I cannot be rude because it's their home and I have this friend that I really like I don't want my relation to be really bad with her and I should be grateful because they invited me to their house and like we're spending weekend here then I realized it's not this um, small moment actually that's how I feel in the States. Mm. Um, you know, it's their home. It's uh, They kind of like open their house to me. I stay here to study. Like, it's their country. I never felt, of course, like still, I don't feel like, I never say it's my country. Like, you know what I mean? And it's a really terrible mindset that when you feel like you're always the guest in some, imagine, when you are a guest in somebody's house and you stay there and it's not just for hours you stay there you use their bathroom you use their bedroom you use their kitchen i mean you want to maybe cook your own food you know mm -hmm. but then you think oh how it's gonna smell oh how how they're gonna oh if they're gonna think what is she eating mm -hmm. like all kind of things you wear something and you're like is it so um cultural is it like everything this is crazy but then i realized it's a small scale and a bigger scale i always felt like a guest and i'm grateful there were times there were people welcome me just like as if i'm a part of their family mm -hmm. And there are times I felt so lonely. Yeah. And I think that's deep, like in general how people, like foreign people feel here. And New York, you know, people, you come from somewhere else. It's not your hometown. Right. And it's the loneliness, you know, yeah. that hurts like the most. Yeah. 
It's so true. Hmm. Even when you... Like, even when you manage to, like, be surviving somewhere, it's so different than having a community. Yes. And then this made me um, maybe do things that I wouldn't be able to do in Turkey, mm-hmm. in, in the school and outside of the school, in the theater um, business, because I realized that's the only way I can have a community and create my community. That's why you're a theater I, person. You never yes. want to leave the theater because it's where you feel safe. I, get <laughs> I <it>. know. <laughs> but isn't it true? Because I had only like one tool. Mm-hmm. I cannot just go around. It's not about being Turkish. I don't mind, you know. I can be around other people, but I want to feel like, yes, that's my community. Mm-hmm. I don't care the language. I don't care what we are doing exactly. We can just like have um, play game night, like whatever. But I need to feel like these are the people I trust and they can talk to me. I can talk to them. I care and I listen. Yeah. And then I think... Yeah, exactly. If I worked hard, it was just because of that. Yeah. If I did things, it was because of that. So I craved for a community. But it's it's really it's on one hand it's easy, one hand it's really difficult in New York because everybody comes here with just ideas and dreams and personal like personal like dreams for themselves. Mm-hmm. They do so many things. They survive and they work for it. And then you say, okay, come here. Let's do it together. But what about their individual um, life goals and stuff? Like, you know, people feel like it's being interrupted sometimes. So I had these people from school. I said, let's make a company together. And they're like, no, I'm going to go to LA and like, you know, follow my dreams. And I said, that's true. That's why he studied the school. Mm-hmm. But... Maybe we can do both sometimes. I don't know, you know. Yeah. And also it's um, easy because people here are more like open-minded and they want to try new things. They want to talk about the things that uh, other places you are not able to talk. Mm. And they want to do something about it, like an art, whatever. Um, so there are like advantages and disadvantages, I think. But recently, I was in Portland, Oregon, mm-hmm. doing uh, like street art, like you know, public performance. Let's say as a part of a festival, mm-hmm. and it's called Pavement Festival. And I realized actually there's a difference in audience and how people are in Portland mm. and people are here. Mm-hmm. I felt like they were more open and okay you put something and you invest something when you're doing a theater or play but they were investing more than I was investing Mm. here audience sometimes is just an audience and they are trained and educated and they know well and they have seen a lot and different stuff and they have several backgrounds when you go somewhere like people are more like local they have a certain life they have art but like you know not like new york not like crazy like don't you don't have 
hundred of plays in a night. Yeah. When this happens, I felt like they are more ready to connect. Well, yeah, I think that. I think that is something about New York in general is that I think to live here, partially because it's so dense, density of people, mm -hmm. just like the amount of people in the physical space, it's very densely packed. And almost to survive here, I think, you have to disconnect a little bit. Mm. Um, or at least I think that that's the most common narrative and that it's the way most people live. Being like, I have to disconnect just to get through the day because if I, this actually, the episode that's coming out tomorrow with my friend Colin, we talk, he's an actor as well, we talk about this, how like, it would be so great if you could connect with every single person you pass on the street in New York, but if you did that, think how tired you'd be at the end of the day. Maybe. You know? Yes. It's and interesting. But that, that, um... The predisposition to cut off a connection before it even starts mm -hmm. feels like a very New York thing. Yes, because from from my personal opinion, I, I don't want to get hurt yeah. because I don't have the luxury to get hurt. Mm -hmm. I don't have this luxury. I cannot be sick or um, emotionally, like, you know, like, broken suddenly, like, let's say in some way but this is so strange because it just happened to me when I was coming here okay this has a, a little bit backstory so like everybody when I was in Turkey I was watching how I met your mother <laughs> and learned... everybody watches that in Turkey <laughs> I mean yeah. yeah and friends and office and Seinfeld like you All know the American TV yes but uh, I was watching them like when I was in high school and then some like, you know, you go back and watch other things. Yeah. Do you think when you're watching that in Turkey, are you like, mm -hmm. oh, that's how it is in America? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Oh, I guess it kind of is like how I met your mother sometimes, but. Yeah. And then maybe you remember that they were talking about. Uh, so subway is a big thing. Bars, happy hours. You know, these are like <laughs> yeah. That's basically what it means to live in New York. You ride the subway a lot. You're almost always in a bar, and, and yes. you go to a lot of happy hours. It's true. It's like huge. Especially concept. if you have a normal like nine to five job. I think. Yeah. So they were they were like you know these were the concepts. So I remember they were talking about maybe it's like not like this but like how it happened in my mind. Mm. Crying in the subway oh, is a huge thing. Yeah, and I think it was Robin. Mm -hmm. This was her name. Yeah, she was not she was not you know usually a, a person who is crying in general. Yeah, and then I remember after her relationship and breakup with Barney. She was crying in the subway. Yeah. And, like, this was a big thing. She was telling them, like, this happened, like, or herself, whatever. Like, it was a huge moment. And then I was thinking myself, like, three years, all through three years, I was this close, like, so <laughs> many times to cry in the subway. But I was like, I cannot do this. I cannot do this because if I cry right now, Somebody could see me, they would follow me, they think I, I'm weak and they would take advantage advantage of this moment and they would hurt me, like, you know, crazy stuff, like, as if people are looking around. 
to hurt <laughs> no someone. One's, no one's looking at anybody else. Everybody's looking at their phone or they're looking in a book or they've got their eyes closed. But when you feel something, like you really feel something in the subway, do you feel like either like dogs or babies like stare at you? <laughs> Well, they see let me it. See if I feel, I stare at babies. Like I intentionally, yeah. I flirt with babies on the oh subway. I make eye contact and I like play with them from across the car. So I do that on purpose. And do you sit next to them on purpose? I do, and like try to <laughs> connect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're dying for connection here oh, in New York. Yeah. That's like the theme of yeah. the episode. Oh my god! And even if baby rejects, con- like you know, connection, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're not really. Yeah, you know, nobody knows. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then you say eventually it's just a baby. What yeah, does he know? a stupid baby. <laughs> His loss. <laughs> His loss. And then it's like it was more. Oh yeah. But like anyway, so like I was like this close, and I and I never cried in mm-hmm. a subway, but I was crying inside yeah. like so many times, like terribly crying inside all the way. It takes two hours for me to commute, and sometimes full on. What? <laughs> yes, two hours. I live in Flushing, uh-huh. and my school was in downtown. And it's not like you know when you come at the end of the seven train, uh-huh. the last stop, and then I take a bus. Oh, yeah. So that's it's far out two there. hours. So sometimes it's just like two hours crying inside. Anyway, <laughs> and I'm like I and I, you know, it was just like uh, unbelievable. I didn't really see anyone crying terribly. Also, like not just me. Today, okay, I was coming from my babysitting job and it was just one train that I had to take to come here and I took the G train and I was thinking to myself, oh my God, I'm just going to have this podcast and I feel so lucky. After a year, like she invited me and I care about it deeply and I want to be my true self. (laughs) I was thinking and I check in with myself. I'm like, I'm not really open you know, I don't want to like, you know, just, I want to be true. And like, I was feeling, okay, I was checking in. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to breathe, breathe deeply and like be present. And I started breathing deeply. And this huge guy next to me, huge, like fat and tall, <laughs> really huge. I'm not lying at all. He started pouring tears and like he could like his breath was like he was touching something deep down and was crying and he was like like trying to clean his tears on the back of his hands he didn't even try to hide it anything he was making sound and like you know shaking and like moving so much next to me and I'm like oh my god Oh my god, like, it's happening, it's happening, what am I gonna do right now? Okay, this is, like, this is amazing, it's just like, I feel so connected to him, to myself, I'm like, I'm not gonna be scared, and I'm gonna connect with him too, because I I don't think that he's gonna hurt me, and I remember this uh, Starbucks tissues in my bag, and one of them I used it, and I was trying to (laughs) look for the other one, and I found it, and I didn't want him to feel like it's a dirty one. And I folded, mm-hmm. because you know, folded napkins definitely clean. You yeah, know? you're like, this is nice and folded yes. for you. Here you go. <laughs> if it's open, oh, yeah. maybe she used it anyway. So I folded inside secretly, because to make him feel like it's clean, it mm-hmm. was yeah. just to make him sure. Then 
But like I was holding it inside my bag and like couldn't really you know, I didn't want him to, you know, feel bad because I was staring at him. Then he just like went like slower for a second and I take took the napkin off the bag and I just like just reached out mm -hmm. and gave it to him. And I looked at me and he, he looked at me and he was just like he stopped for a moment, mm -hmm. accepted the napkin, put his hand on his heart, and literally without saying anything, he said thank you. And I was smiling and crying at the same time. Then I turned in front of me. He was crying and cleaning and crying, cleaning, breathing. And I just said to myself, I'm going to sit next to him and just be here for him in case in case he wants to talk in case he needs anything or just like you know just my presence to help him and i realized this was what i need you know this like could help me if i was the one crying then he left uh, one stop before me and we had another connection when he was leaving and like inside i said take care and be well you know whatever is your pain right now and he left and actually I thought this was not a coincidence that happened today yeah it opened me up yeah. it helped me you know in the subway being open it's a challenge it's scary it's scary yeah but yeah Thank you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, random huge man on the yes. subway. Oh. I have oh. had some of the most beautiful connections on the subway with total strangers. Like, mm. whenever you do allow yourself to connect with other people, it's always, I always find it so deeply rewarding. Yeah. One time I was talking to this man, um, an older man, an older black man was sitting, I was standing and he was sitting, it was a very crowded train and I was drinking <laughs> green juice and he asked me a question about the juice I think he was like does that even taste good oh. and I was like well I really like it you know and then I was like do you want to do you want to taste, taste it? it and I poured him some into the lid mm -hmm. and handed it to him and he tasted it and he was like oh that's really good like maybe I should try <laughs> drinking green juice and I was like yeah maybe you should but <laughs> it was just like a total stranger you know yeah. and I it was lovely it yeah. was lovely. Yeah. And also, I cry on the subway all the time. No, really? All the time. Like, at least once You're a week. You're a true New Yorker. Yeah. <laughs> also, I feel almost like it's the safest place to cry. Because, like... Wow. You don't know any of these people. That's right? why! <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly <Yeah>. why! <laughs> One time, I was really... I had a had a very good friend who passed away and she was she was sick for a little while and she lived on the west coast and I was here in New York and I had just gotten the news that it was like um, things were getting really bad and I was on the subway and I had my headphones on and I was just like bawling and bawling and bawling my eyes oh. out and there was a man who was standing next to me and I could tell that he was with me, mm -hmm. even though we weren't, I hadn't even made, I couldn't even look at him, you know, because I was so upset. Um, and then we stopped, and he held his phone up, 
in front of my face, and he had typed to me a message on his phone. And he said, I don't know what's going on, but I promise you it's going to be okay. And, of course, that made me cry harder. Oh, no! (laughs) But it was so... um, It was so sweet, you know? And it was... And I... And I was like, he's right, you know, it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, not, I mean, no, it's not, because there are some things that, like, are not ever, like, okay, yeah. quote-unquote, but um, that's the thing I love about New York. It feels so, you can feel so isolated here, but when you do have a moment of connection, it's always, like, magical. I know. Because it feels yeah. like it's like against all odds. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's, yeah, it's maybe because of that. Like, the things are so crazy, so extreme, and you have the hardest life. It's like, almost like Hunger Games. And then, <laughs> you fell in love in the Hunger Games. Yeah. Like, then it's, it's, it's movie-like. You yeah. know? Yeah. Oh, that's why. It's like theater. Like, mm. um, I think it's like Uta Hagen or like Stella Adler, like these two I always confuse even if I'm like a theater person. <laughs> because I love them both. Mm-hmm. So um, the, the, the idea is like whatever happens on the stage, it's like it's extreme, mm-hmm. you know. It's, you, even if you see it's a daily life, like this and that, but like something happens mm-hmm. and it's extreme. So sometimes it's like New York mm-hmm. every day and then... This this crazy stuff and something extreme happens and you find the joy, yeah. the happiness and the true connection, like yeah. you know, and it's then it's unbelievable to you and it's magic to you. I mean, I believe in magic, so it's like you know, when it happens, I believe in that. Yeah. Well, like today. Oh yeah. It was, yeah, it was a really true connection with the guy, huge guy. I hope he's okay. Um, You know what I felt? I felt like he has a sickness or something that he has learned. Mm. You know? Yeah. I don't know why. I guess we'll never know. I mean, if I see him again, but if he lives around here and I don't live around here, I would like to ask. I'll keep an eye out. For yes. <laughs> he has <laughs> blue eyes. Um, blue eyes. Mm. So, your school mm-hmm. is done? Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. Did it just finish? Yeah, and then you know what I thought? I came here to study. Now what? That was my <laughs> next question. Well, now so, why do I stay here? Why? Well, to act. But, Can you stay to act? Do you, what do you, how does your visa work? Are you, what do you, I guess you tell me, what, what is next for you? Yeah. So they uh, give you a year of working visa. It's like, it's called OPT after your graduation. You apply for it. I did. And it just arrived. Good thing. Good job. Yeah. But you can only work in your field, whatever you studied, you know. So you have Ooh. to act. I have to act, you know. It sounds, you know, it's like, I mean, I would love to act already, but then yeah. I have to, to you stay here. You have to act. You know? You're like, yeah, sure, no problem. Those yeah. jobs are really easy to get. And also, it's like <laughs> incredible because they give you, you have 90 days of um, being unemployed. 
in a year so if you have I don't know what will happen let's say if I'm unemployed for a hundred days then maybe they will kick me out I don't think they're gonna come like find you and kick you out and who counts yeah but the thing is they've got more important things to worry about it tells so much about how they know because 90 days in between jobs sometimes you take a month off yeah or sometimes you just don't want to do anything you find you know you just want to do something that means to you and it doesn't come easily Mm -hmm. so but you know i try to act and i try to just like keep it going you know i wonder how that works if you're like going on auditions all day every day and not booking anything that's why you do your own work then Mm. you know what i do right now Oh, yeah, I, I'm doing a show right now. I act in it, but the thing is, I produced it. Amazing. Because it was a Turkish playwright uh, who wrote this play, and it's based on a real story of a Syrian actress mm. that she came to Turkey um, as a refugee. She, has, she flee, you know, from yeah. home, her, her homeland. And when she came to Turkey... Uh, This playwright and she connected and he, uh, the playwright, wrote her um, story as one-woman show. And it's been staged in Turkey, in Europe, with different languages, also with a subtitle. But this is the first time it's being staged in New York, in the States, in English. Mm -hmm. Because I and some other friends, we translated it. So... um, I felt like if I'm not going to do this thing, nobody's going to do this play. You know, I felt like either me or no one. So that's why I was the producer. But then also I act in it. Like, you know, I don't know if it's the right choice actually produce and act at the same time. Because your mind gets into way so much and, you know, you care so many things. Mm-hmm. You care about so many people. There's so many things to deal with. And you just also have to act and, you know with all these things in your mind it's just hard to leave them go like mm-hmm. you know let them go leave them behind you and just act so that's a learning mm-hmm. that's what i've learned um but yeah then you do your own work mm-hmm. and like for me i have a type i sound in in, in a certain way I, I look in a certain way you don't necessarily say, say oh she's a, like you know mm-hmm. you won't Mm-hmm. And then it creates suddenly a type, yeah, you know, a necessary thing. Um, then I get to play certain parts, sometimes European, mostly Middle Eastern, or I play so. Oh my God, you wouldn't believe that I act animal parts so much because people suddenly people don't think animals have a nationality, mm. and then it can be from anywhere, and mm. they don't question. They can sound like like me, or they can sound like you know Americans. <laughs> so I acted like flies, dogs, like you know, like I act animals, and some mysterious types, of course, a yeah. fortune teller. You're very full of mystery. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or like like crazy characters, whatever. So, um, but then I I I realized I like doing my own work because. It's basically a chance to figure out who you want to work with, Mm -hmm. what you want to do, what kind of contribution you want to, you know, Mm -hmm. bring to the table. Yeah. And I think you get to know people easily this way. Because sometimes you join a project 
and you know you have a couple of weeks and then you do your you you want to do your part the best you can do but when you create the work you care you care about the whole thing and you try to get to know everybody and try to engage in every aspect of this work mm-hmm. so it's a bigger thing yeah yeah <laughs> yeah instead of just like being able to check in and check out for somebody else's project yeah yeah and um i don't know i just i just don't want to do one thing you know mm-hmm. going auditions fine sometimes fun sometimes painful mm-hmm. but i just want to sometimes i meet people and we come up with this crazy ideas you know and then something happens mm-hmm. so the work creates itself yeah you know and you just need to let it happen mm-hmm. you just have to show up more. yeah yeah it's hard to find myself in structures and like you know the usual way you do it like a movie a play okay yeah you need to get this craft uh, and the skill set but there's more opportunities to discover and like things to explore you mm-hmm. know like I like that and then this is also like I think I'm I'm thinking like this because I have a year and I don't know what's gonna happen after this year I can go yeah. back to Turkey and I want to get as much as experience I can when I'm here mm-hmm. because if I go back I may never come back and like this is my only time maybe that in at this moment at this age with this mind that and uh, with these emotions that I can be here and learn from whatever gets into my way mm-hmm. so this is my year to see what's gonna happen next year <laughs> yeah. if I'm gonna stay here if I'm gonna go back you know do you know what you want to do if you want to stay here or you want to no. go back? You don't no, know yet. I don't know. Do you miss Turkey? Uh, I do. But um, you know what happened? People just would never agree on anything. Like different people coming from different ages or like areas. People who love me, people who hate me. For the first, very first time they agree on one thing, they all say, don't come back. Mm. And... This makes me think, because all of them, for the first time, they agree on something, and it don't, don't come back. back. Wow, what a message. Why do you think that is? Even if my family, that they miss me yeah. so much, they say, we know what you want to do, and you don't live here for the last three years. And wherever you are going, Turkey is kind of like going the opposite way. Mm. I don't understand that. I don't know what they mean. Maybe they don't know what I really want. So maybe that's maybe being in Turkey is what I need, and mm. it's like the best thing. Well, maybe Turkey needs you. Maybe <laughs> you know there is like maybe yeah. there's thing to do, um, and so this is how my family sees things, and my friends. I think they say this because they want to go. They want to go away. They don't want to live in wherever they live right now. They wish they were here. Yes. Yeah. But they, like, the, the problem with these people, they are missing something. They don't know how it is here. They don't know how you live here. Yeah. 
and they have an idea about it and it's not based on facts. Mine is based on my experience, bad or good, it's just my experience. But And I also lived in Turkey, so I know the both sides, you know. And there is something that calls me most of the times. And it's maybe being able to do theater in my own language. Mm. And knowing, like, it's, it's hard here to read the social gestures. Mm -hmm. The social relationships are hard. Well, people are not very, well, I was about to make a blanket statement about Americans, which maybe is dangerous, but <laughs> I think that it's, we're not socialized very well to be in community. What do you mean? Why? I think that increasingly in America, and here I get into like my macro level theories about the way that we're systematically disempowered <laughs> by the people at the top, um, but I think that community is something that has been cultured out of us in America. People are increasingly isolated inside their home, their family, their phone, hmm. their friend group. Like it's not... And, and maybe this is particular to New York, I don't know, but I think even if you look at like what's going on politically mm -hmm. and how divided things are, it's just because we don't exist in community together anymore. And there's this real fear, I think, in America of the power that comes from community. Mm -hmm. It's a very interesting time to be here. It is. And when I came here, the president was not Trump. Yeah. And then I saw the elections and people around me didn't even think that, that they, Trump is going to be president. And I was like, you have no idea how this works. Yeah. <laughs> He can be. Yeah. And you know what, what's going to happen? He, he, he may be. And then I thought maybe in one way it's good for the people to see that this is a possibility. Yeah, and then if you want democracy, you have to fight uh, for it. It's not something that just yeah. lives on its own. You have to participate. <laughs> and you cannot just lean back and just wait for things mm -hmm. to happen in a way that you want them to happen. Yeah. And I mean, people who made him president have their reasons and their passions and their desires and dreams. And some people don't agree with these things. And then they fought for it. Then you're going to fight for yours mm -hmm. and your rights to live and your um, survival and your ideas about the world that's how it works mm -hmm. it's just confusing when it comes to a point these two groups or like five or six different groups because mm -hmm. in turkey we have so many mm -hmm. when they cannot stand each other they cannot tolerate each other tolerance is the key i think mm -hmm. like you have to be able to tolerance this other person however you make them other mm -hmm. you know we make these people other because they think in a different way so whoever this other person is you have to tolerate it 
while you are fighting for what you want, mm -hmm. whatever it is. But then things change, I think, kind of like radically. Not that they happen overnight, but how we see things change radically because of the election. Yeah. And I wasn't surprised, and it was not a new living condition for me. I, you know, I've seen that. I've heard that. Yeah, you know how the world I, works. <laughs> I, I, you know, all my life probably was under a certain guy's um, power. It has been 16, 15 years now with the same person being in charge in Turkey. So, and I, like, you know, I know this. I heard these things. But you try to keep your habitat, your living area, as you want it to be first. Mm -hmm. Then you try to extend it mm -hmm. to other people, with other people, because it doesn't happen by itself. And the other people try to do the same thing. Then the conflict happens. My only wish that nobody would get hurt or die during these conflicts. But when it happens, then then we get scared, and then then we take things seriously, you know, and then realize how big is the issue, you know, like here, men, women, all these recent movement or these conflicts with the police, the shootings, like, you know, when it gets really violent, like, un un unreal, unbearable, mm -hmm. so much pain, then, I don't know, it's just like, I think everybody feels more responsible, but maybe that's why you said the power of community mm -hmm. becomes something else, and scary, and maybe, then maybe we become more isolated because, to protect ourselves. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's a debate how you do it. Like you, you be uh, more isolated to protect yourself or you, or you be with people to protect yourself. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, but you know, one sentence is like, it's, it's, Pinning, it's like over and over and over again in my mind that I've noticed here. In Turkey, there is no such thing as not my business. Mm. That's the problem most of the time. Every th everybody thinks everything is their business. Mm. And that's a problem. That's like pressure um, that's, that, that gives the right to, to your uncle to talk about your life to your friend, to just decide for yourself. Like, you know, people do things, think things and say things about your life and they have the right, they think they have the right to do that. And here, when I came here, that's why my relationships just failed because either I was being in their life or talking about them and trying to just be so much in people's life and I had no idea, no concept of not my business or either I get hurt so much when people acted in a way that as if they don't care about me yeah. because I took it in this way. Well, I, 
time. When, you know, I feel like that, when you say it, like that is the problem, I would say one of the main problems in America today is how much we say, it's not my business. Yes. I mean, especially when it comes to violence happening in the world. Like, for, you know, I think the majority of white people in America mm -hmm. think that the violence happening against black and brown bodies, it's like, not my business. And like, that's not true. It is your business. Um, no, act but actually, I mean, not it's everybody's mm -hmm. business. Like, if there's violence happening, um, in this case, yes. What but I, I think what I'm trying to say is that not my business becomes an excuse to act as if you don't care. Yeah, it, it maybe it takes you um, out. It it keeps you from acting. You know. Yeah. Um, and it makes you passive and but the thing is one of my best friends here is a white woman from Midwest mm -hmm. and she's an amazing intelligent talented and sensitive just I admire her so much and I always want to work with her be with her like you know such an inspiration mm -hmm. and I believe when she says either because of her habits or because how she believes like her her belief system whatever when she says or acts in a way that gives me the signal that not my business i know she does it because she she wants to be respectful she cares about respect she doesn't want to get into your way and she, you know she doesn't want to invade mm -hmm. your space your life, your decisions, your thoughts. On the other hand, I feel like just, you know, just fucking decide for me. <laughs> you know, just like, you know, tell me what to do. Like, things like that. I know mine is also on extreme. Like, it's, it's, it's not okay. But then where do we draw the line? Mm -hmm. Not my business? No, you know what? It's my business. Mm -hmm. So the line cannot be so strict and but cannot be just so blurry so it's just i don't know if it's a personal thing that we decide or like it depends on the moment or the incident but sometimes no it's my business too mm -hmm. and sometimes no it's not your business maybe you know what it's the eight like the part it's it's a party let's say i have to be able to say no it's not your business and you have to be able to say, no, it's my business when it comes to my thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. if, I, if I have the right to say, no, Tyla, thank you so much, but it's not your business, mm -hmm. then it's okay. Mm -hmm. And if you can take it. Yeah. But then there's something that you, you know, you get involved because you want to, because yeah. you believe Whereas in Whereas I this. say, yes. you know what? It is my business because I care about you. Yeah. And I have a stake in your well-being. Yes. And... Because of that, I would like to respectfully <laughs> communicate yes. to you how I feel and what I think. Yeah. And see if we could somehow find a way to meet. Mm -hmm. It's fine with friends, maybe, but then sometimes it happens to me. Let's say I had this roommate and it was just the beginning of our, like, you know, roommate relationship. I didn't really know her. And it was basically a stranger. And something was off in her personal life like violent like we were having a domestic violence issue in the house mm. and I wanted to be there for her wanted to help 
and there were times she made me feel like okay it's not my business so what I say is like when it comes to that other woman mm -hmm. just a stranger to you how much your support is there like how do you know how much is enough how much is too much how much she would accept from you and how much she needs to be along mm -hmm. um, I think we can just think about these things and explore more especially here in New York within respect of course but when we just say every single time every day it's not my business it's not my business because we are lazy and we just don't want to do things we just don't want to think about it then it, then it's a really terribly lonely life yeah, <laughs> yeah. then it, it doesn't really go anywhere I don't know. I look for that. I I just look for more connection maybe. Like everybody everybody says that. But then you know, then the practical question, how do you do that? How do you create it? Mm -hmm. One connection at a time. Yes. <laughs> That's how. Yes. <laughs> in my I in my know. humble opinion. But in this in this case, like thank you so much because we we had a moment, we had a connection, mm -hmm. and you promised me, mm -hmm. and took my like info and like put it on your phone, mm -hmm. and then I I I had an expectation mm -hmm. and I believed in you, and like at the the back of my mind, I'm like, is she gonna reach out? Will I ever hear from her again? Yeah. Yeah. Will I ever? Because. I mean, you have this podcast, you had so many people, and why would you call me, right? And I wanted to. Mm -hmm. I wanted to hear from you, because at that moment, you gave me a, an expectation. Mm -hmm. And you created this, this thing. You invited me, but it was like, I don't know when, like in November or something? Uh, no, it no? was in the spring. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. <sighs> was such a long time ago for me but you know it felt like this and it's so easy to forget such things also mm -hmm. and when I heard back from you I'm like yay <laughs> you know yay. yay like yay because we talked about something and it's happening right now you know it yeah. becomes real you just don't talk about things and then then forget about them, you know. It's being real. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's and why. being in integrity with um, the things you say you intend to create. Yeah. yeah. Being in integrity with the things that you... Oh my God, there's so, there are like kind of like so many things that I say to myself that I don't keep this word you know yeah I kind of like I mean I promise health ass to myself you know mm -hmm. <laughs> then I just like don't keep it mm -hmm. but then there are things I just think about it and I just say it and I believe it I believe in this thing and it's not real mm -hmm. let's say Oh, there were so many times. Oh my God, you wouldn't believe. It's like being a liar or something that I was maybe in high school. Like, 
I was in university, even like in college, I was in, a, I would do this, especially if I'm in a foreign country. Like, let's say I had a, tra I traveled to Europe and somebody would ask me, what are you doing? And I would say, I act. Mm. I'm an actor. And I was thinking inside, is this a lie or it's a wishful thinking? And, you know, just because it came true, now I think it wasn't a lie. It was a wishful thinking. Well, you were speaking so, it into existence. Yes, but then what makes it different than a lie? Well, I think a lie, I think when you lie, there's no intention for it to become real. But if you You're think saying, so? Yeah, I think so. Like, if you asked me what I did and I was like, oh, I'm mm. a plumber, that would be a lie. <laughs> <laughs> and like, why would you say Why would that? I say that? But, you know, but if you ask me, um, here's an example. People ask me, um, people ask me a lot if I act. Mm -hmm. And I always say, um, for a long time I said no. Mm -hmm. But that honestly felt like a lie to me because I don't act, but I, I, I will mm -hmm. someday. So now when people ask me, I say not yet. Oh, Okay. Um, and the other interesting thing is like, sometimes when people ask me what I do, I say I'm a writer. Mm -hmm. And the truth is I haven't written that much. Um, but I am a writer. Okay. And I will write. Like, I know that that's true. I see where you're going, but it's because you are a nice person and you have nice <laughs> intentions. <laughs> yeah, but I still believe in kind of like talking to yourself about the things that didn't happen yet and like you know just just talking to your future self mm -hmm. like as if it became true yeah well and for you it has i mean yeah. you are an actor uh, I feel like it has been such a long time that i wanted it to happen mm -hmm. and finally i finished the school and I've but you know it, I'm a different person now like yeah. I, you know I had my undergrad like I went through some kind of education before this but it was not that much it didn't change me completely this was almost like destroying me and then I kind of like built myself from yeah. these pieces again and now it's of course inevitably a different human being yeah i'm grateful but i know what i've learned and what i've seen about myself during these three years i cannot take it back even if i want to some no, of them you're transformed some of them yeah but like you know sometimes you want to take some things back so mm. what back. would you take back is there something well about this experience? Oh, yeah. Um, there was one specific incident I had when I was in the first year of the college. Mm -hmm. So it's like 2009. And at the moment, I experienced it in a certain way. And then I looked back and I just kind of like covered it mm -hmm. hide it you know didn't want to deal didn't think it's important and I was surviving like that I need to cover it 
then this the last year this year I went back and opened it and my teacher asked me we just like killed a part of me like you know yeah just like destroyed everything take inside out then I saw I was not I was alone at the time and didn't tell anybody anything about this thing but I didn't I was not there for myself so I felt like I didn't take care of this this innocent part in me as if I had a child self inside and I didn't take care of the child self Mm -hmm. and so I was not a good companion for myself like I didn't help myself to be better see things better to heal and this this is something that I'm kind of like regretful even if nobody was there for me I should stand up for myself you know and speak out for myself I didn't speak out for myself I didn't and I will always feel guilty about that and I don't know it was maybe maybe like the society like I didn't want to be the bad girl like you know what I mean I didn't want to be perceived in a certain way but I just sacrificed a part of mine you know Mm -hmm. just to go through my like stupid social relationships yeah this was it and I kind of like just because I'm not with this ex-boyfriend anymore I feel like my decision to come here and study made me lose him I don't know I don't want to say if I wouldn't come here I would still be with him and like we would still be in a relationship maybe not who knows but I felt like I made a decision about that and lost him Mm-hmm. and or didn't take care of the relationship that much um, yeah like two things losing a person not having him in my life anymore and just not speaking out for myself mm-hmm. these two things I will take back what why do you look at me like that? <laughs> You're like, well, because I no, don't you ang- agree? I no, I don't agree with you. No, why? I I think that what happened happened, whatever it was. Sure. And however much you may have abandoned yourself inside that situation, mm-hmm. there's something in there that was necessary for you to experience in order to become the woman you're meant to become is the way I choose to hold it so that there's um, like some sort of healing or some part you're going to play someday where there's something you need to tap into that's going to come from that experience that it will serve you in some way and that only in learning the ways in which we've abandoned ourselves can we actually learn how to be a companion to ourselves you know it's like you can't learn how to be there for yourself if you've never experienced Mm. the opposite but I'm not sure if I know how to be there for myself right now (laughs) yeah but you know what it means to not be there not be there yeah exactly so you have like a contrast to use to help you learn what it means to be there for yourself and what I would say about the second thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) is that while you may have lost that relationship, in honoring your desire to pursue your passion, 
and in honoring your desire to come here, that is what it means to be a companion to yourself. And if in the process there's a relationship that doesn't make it, mm -hmm. that that's okay. I think so. But like sometimes you don't want to think like you choose one thing over another thing. Yeah, I never saw it like that. that. Yeah, right. and I always believe that things can go hand in hand, like, you know, together. Yeah. Why not? But I think sometimes whatever you do and your action becomes the decision itself. Yeah. And, you know, when you act, you act, you just don't like, you know, it's too late. This is with the action, you know, when you act. It's not like thinking. If I think something and if I don't do it, I can always take it back. So, <laughs> Which is why we um, don't do things. Yeah, and like, or maybe just we be polite. <laughs> you know, sometimes you want to say something and you're like, oop, you know, I'm not going to say that. Mm -hmm. So, it's fine until you really do it. But for the first thing you said yeah I know something about not being there for myself but it's always really weird to me and there's such a similar concept to taking care of yourself now everybody talks about it right mm -hmm. the self how to take care of yourself like whatever it is like be healthy and relax and like do like keep active and like be emotionally connected and like do like things we know new york is going crazy with this concept right mm -hmm. but i look back and i never learn how to take care of myself under the name of taking care of myself like mm -hmm. you know I knew I want to eat healthy and I knew I want to keep healthy relationships. But what happens nowadays is like my friend, which is so healthy and taking care of himself all the time, looks at me and he says, oh, you know, Bouquet, you need to take care of yourself. Like, that's too much. And then I suddenly just stay with myself. I'm like, I don't know how to take care of myself. What do I do? Should I just go home and take a bath for an hour and then do yoga and then just eat healthy greens, then sleep early? And then I realize, no, it's not that. And then what? So it makes me crazy not thinking that I don't know how to take care of myself mm -hmm. when I don't come up with um, certain points, you know. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the misconception that a lot of people have is that that self-care <clears throat> needs to look like a hot bath and yoga and eating healthy. And that's not what self-care is really about. Self-care, I think, is about being integrity with... That's how you explain it? That's how you yeah. do, do it in your life? Being in integrity with what you know you need. Mm -hmm. Being in integrity with what you know you need to say to the people around you to be in right relationship mm -hmm. with them and with yourself. Um, having good boundaries, mm -hmm. knowing when to walk away from things, mm -hmm. knowing when to say yes and when to say no. no. Like that really, I think, is mm -hmm. what self-care is about. It's gotten trendy and it's like, 
capitalistic now, this thing to sell, like the bath products, the yoga yes. clothes, you know, but like self-care is about like honoring the rest that you need. I think rest is a very important part of self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, and also honoring your passions. It's a part of it. Yeah. yeah. I think I you're doing think great. I think I want to go with that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. I want to go with that explanation. Yeah. I don't think it has to look a certain way. Yeah, I don't think so. Because I feel fake. And if I've never really had certain food in my diet my whole life, when I eat it, I feel like this is disaster. Like, I <laughs> love carbs. And, like, you yeah. know, they have been a part of my life. I find peace in them yeah, and, and how soft they are, like a baby butt. <laughs> like, I don't know, like so many things, like a like a cloud in the air. Like, you know, it's not always bad. No. If you have like a... Warm... There's nothing wrong with carbs. Yes, like There's it's, it's like freshly carbs. baked, just mm. coming like a minute ago from the oven. Yeah. And like, you know, like it's just... And like I had this person... Like a person I met, she was doing a body work, you know, and um, we were discovering things in my body together. Like, oh, she's great, by the way. And she said, you know, it's really nice to eat these foods that your grandma cooked one time because body needs that. Maybe you find happiness in that and you are in a strange land. Mm -hmm. Maybe you need to connect with your roots. Maybe your body needs to remember how it was at the time. And I'm like, thank you, because I cut them off. And like, you know, I'm just like so unhappy. I don't say I be happy when I eat carbs, but it is not necessarily carbs. When I eat something that was cooked in my home when I was a child, that's happiness. Like it gives me kind of certain feeling that I don't find when I... Just do yoga. I don't know. Yeah, yoga is not the answer to everything. And eating salad is not the answer to everything. I know. But I've learned what's good, what is bad about the things that, you know, I do and I don't. Like, I was not doing anything mm-hmm. actively for my body. And yeah. I know what is good right now and why I need it, when I need it. Um, I think it's just, it's not taking care of the self or self-care as a concept you know what is first discovering the self mm-hmm. then knowing what it is what it needs and why it needs this thing and as soon as you know this then you know your habits you are being aware of what you do and when you do these things patterns what is good for you, what's not. Even if it's bad for you, you fucking know why you do it, yeah. then go ahead and do it. Like, you know. As long as you have the awareness. Yeah. yeah. Like, just have the awareness. Like, so. It ultimately comes down to discernment, it feels like. Being able to discern. What is it? What, is, what do you mean? Um, like, discern, meaning to be able to tell the difference between what's actually in alignment for me and what I'm just doing because other people have told me it's the thing to do or what's actually serving me and what I do that I tell myself that it's serving me but actually it's not serving me it's helping me numb out okay you know it's like being able to discern between what's truly nourishing Mm -hmm. and what's an automatic pattern or what's truly nourishing and what you're just doing because somebody else advised you to do it it's like Mm -hmm. 
being able to tell from something inside of you what's aligned and what's not and being able to be honest with yourself about it because that's the tricky part because we like to trick ourselves right we like to we play all sorts of games with ourselves yeah because you know what comes out fear yeah. when when I really truly see what I need and why I need that so let's say like I want to be specific about that so I quit smoking mm-hmm. three years ago before you came or after you came? Bef- after I came. <coughs> of course. Because, you know, I would just go with it. Because I, at the time, when I quit, I had been smoking for 10 years. Wow. Crazy, crazy. And I came here. The moment that I realized this school and what it is about, and from the first class and the month, it was after a month, I think, it's just I me getting to know myself mm-hmm. and as soon as I start getting in touch with myself and knowing and discovering who truly I am in a way as much as I can I, I, I want to stop smoking because my because of my reasons and why I smoke and why I need it it was deeper than this what I needed I couldn't need it with cigarettes, mm. you know. Yeah, my de- my need was deeper, and or my pain was deeper than this. So that when you realize that smoking cannot be the solution anymore, mm-hmm. because you fucking know it's not enough, and then fear comes out because if this is not, then what? Yeah, and it's just. Even if nobody hears you or nobody sees you, just put yourself in a room and cry your, to yourself and talk to yourself. That's the most scary thing ever. Like, if you say the truth mm-hmm. and you explain it to yourself, this is what I'm afraid of. This is what I feel for. This is why I'm so embarrassed. And this is why I pity someone. Like, when you're being truthful, it's like the universe opens up and it's fear. I don't know why. It's like being like it's being in this space without having any tools, you know, to come back to the earth. It's you're just up there. Nothing else to do but to be true. But if it's not how you are being used to doing things, then it's scary. So, yes, maybe there are things that we do because people want us to do or tell us to do. But sometimes I go with it because it's too much, you know? You want to choose the easy way. Yeah, we really want someone else to give us the answer. That's you want like, to choose such a the common... easy way. You just want to do it as you as they do it. You know, mm-hmm. you want to go with whatever they chose already yeah. for themselves. Yeah. You know, maybe it will work for me too. Look at the guy; it's working for him. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna do it. And then you, it's easy to believe. Everybody is a great actor. That's why. We say the lie and then we believe it immediately and perfectly. Mm-hmm. 
everybody's a great actor. That's what you do on the stage, basically. Mm-hmm. That's that's it's character's truth. Yeah. And you say to yourself, you believe in it. I think the um, the difference is that there are a lot of people out there who don't know that they're acting. You know what I mean? Like we become so hmm. um, so accustomed to our own act that we don't realize that we're acting. Because when you live in it. There's nothing to wake you up, yeah. and it becomes your, Im- like your illusion. I don't want to say reality. It becomes your uh, fake real reality. Mm-hmm. But you know, we have a one life. You wanna take it easy. <laughs> Not you. I mean, sometimes. Yeah. Like sometimes, everybody mm-hmm. because. Everything hurts, and then on top of everything, why would you hurt yourself? Like you know, yeah. saying the truth. So just go with it. <laughs> because it sets you it. free. That's why. And after all, not immediately. You know, when yeah. you keep living in it, when you keep doing things as as it is, and keep the truth, then it sets you free. Because you know what? You just like get rid of these fake relationships, these people who put you down. These friends pull you, you know, like just negativity or like these people you just like stand because your mother loves them so much. Like, you know, anybody. And then it takes a while and it just exhausts you maybe. Then it sets you free finally. And you say, no, yes, that's what I want. That's not what I want. Mm -hmm. And it's a hard life. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> you do it. Look at you. You. I mean, it's just amazing. How many people you talk to in in a week, like for your pro- podcast, or like in a month? I don't know. Oh, I don't How know. How do you count it? It depends on the. It totally depends. Like today, I've done two interviews, but I hadn't done one for like three weeks before this. But I put a podcast out every week. So. Okay. So you want to put it out there every week? Once a week, yeah. Once a week. So it's just someone you invite. To your podcast, to your home, and to yourself, and I believe you speak your truth every single time, even if the person doesn't, you know. Mm-hmm. So, do you think it sets you free because you do it, or you started doing it and then it set you free? You know what I mean? How did it go? I think I feel freer and freer every single time I act and speak with integrity. So it's a practice. It's a practice. And I think it's like cumulative. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like I feel like if there's a relationship that there's a whole bunch of things I need to say that I haven't said and then I go and I say them, there's this huge rush of liberation from speaking the truth. And I think that the the daily practice of showing up in integrity Mm It, like, elevates your baseline of how yeah. free you feel. So it's, like, those two different things. It's, like, the baseline level of freedom, and then there are these, like, big rushes of freedom. And in this case, when you put a new episode every week, it just it levels up your base, baseline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... And becomes a thing that like it will make you feel different probably if you don't put one of them one week suddenly you just don't do it 
it would just like create a kind of confusion right because you have been doing it for every week and it becomes your normal yeah. in a way it becomes you well and the thing is I think the more that you show up as who you are mm -hmm. the easier it is to show up as who you are, as you are. and then yeah. what I think what you're pointing to is this beautiful idea that then when you fail to show up in integrity with the way you know you want to show up and it's like against you well yeah and yeah. it's um it's just more challenging to ignore that gap in integrity. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Like, so if that happens, yeah, 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 yeah. I would I feel like I needed to like address it in some way. So like on the next week, I would probably like say like, mm. I didn't put out an episode last week and I was feeling shitty about it and here's why. Yeah. yeah. Or like yeah. something was really going on with me and I just wasn't up to it and I'm going to let that be okay because sometimes, mm. sometimes you have to reprioritize your commitments because maybe self-care looked like not putting out an episode because mm -hmm. I was in a place emotionally where I felt like I needed to close myself. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's about not being so rigid. Do you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. that goes back to that discernment piece around having to look at moment to moment what's in the highest integrity right mm -hmm. now. Is it honoring this commitment that I've made to myself or in this moment is there something that's coming up that's more important than that commitment and I need to honor what's present and release my attachment to the other thing you know so it's like this constant um <laughs> juggling feels like yeah it is but i don't know <coughs> it, it it does it make you feel alive like you know like it's like feeling the things more and more when you keep in touch with yourself because sometimes because it's a trick too you can acknowledge something and you can say oh sorry this happened and I last week I couldn't put it you know mm -hmm. an acknowledgement can become the excuse mm -hmm. we appreciate acknowledgement and we're like oh you know it's also being true to yourself but then if it's your excuse and you think you can get away with everything when you acknowledge it mm. <laughs> you yeah. know and it's a different kind of pattern mm -hmm. and a problem I think I did that I'm like I was doing something regularly then I stopped and I acknowledge it you know I'm like I acknowledge that I don't do this anymore mm -hmm. and I felt fine and then it becomes my excuse I was so fine because I was acknowledging it. Mm -hmm. What's wrong with not doing it? Mm -hmm. I acknowledge I don't do it. And then <laughs> I realized, uh, actually, I quit. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, let's acknowledge you quit. <laughs> yeah. Then, you know, it's just like, okay, don't. it's an excuse now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. So many questions. I know. Mm. All right, so before we wrap up, I have just a couple... Well, finishing questions for you yes okay so I want to invite you to close your eyes ah oh, Tyler <laughs> <laughs> yes where are we going so I want you to again just feel back into three years ago today and that girl that you were and everything that's happened since you came here Right or wrong, good or bad, doesn't matter. 
And really let yourself feel into and receive the bigness of all of these experiences you've manifested into your life. And when you feel really grounded and present, share with me in one word how you're feeling. Grateful. And if you could go back to three years ago today, and speak directly to yourself from the woman that you are right here, right now, what would you say to her? I really thank you and appreciate you doing all these things and being brave. I cannot believe how much courage it takes and you'll be fine <laughs> you'll be just great and one last thing it's gonna be big but you will learn so many things about forgiveness Watch out that, yeah, that one, take care of it. That's it. Thank you. I wouldn't do this for myself if I didn't come here. Yeah, it's so, I don't know why it's so important, but looking back and just saying, just, you know, one, two, three sentences, it's just huge, but I wouldn't do this. Thank you. <laughs> You're so welcome. Thank you. You're so welcome. Yeah. My total yeah. pleasure. It's just, I, like, this was, a, this was my chance. <laughs> this hour <laughs> was yeah. my chance to do that, my opportunity. Yeah, it's really important to honor where we've been. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say to our listeners before we go? If they have been listening, like, still. <laughs> wow. <Yeah. laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know. Um, you know what? I want to say them. Thank you because sometimes I listen podcasts in my house by myself. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a great job listening someone two people, a topic by yourself without anybody knowing about it. It's just so important and you did something great for yourself. Mm -hmm. You just didn't talk because you don't talk to us right now. You are not in the conversation. You are listening. You did the big part and you did it just for yourself mm -hmm. and nobody needs to know about it. Yeah. You know, it's great. It's Listening is just amazing. So... I appreciate you. I appreciate myself when I listen to something. <laughs> and like, you know, it's it's hard work. Yeah. Listening is a hard work. Yeah. If you, And also, 
now I'm talking to your listeners, Tyla. If they want to say something, because they've been listening so much, just you should you should go ahead and say, I was talking to myself three years ago, and I felt a certain relief. And I don't know. If you have something to tell, just tell to yourself. Or tell it to us. You can send me an email to yearagopodcast at gmail.com. I'm happy to receive your thoughts or inspirations or reflections inspired by this episode. Mm -hmm. And I'd love it if you would also share this episode with anybody who you think is particularly brave. Because I think that ultimately that's what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Being brave enough to go somewhere you've never been. Yeah. (laughs) Being brave enough to... Try to build a community where one yeah. doesn't exist. Yeah. And being brave enough to honor yourself and all mm-hmm. of that. So please share this and reach out. We'd love to hear from you. I'll put all of Bouquet's info in the show notes so you can find her and follow her journey and <laughs> support her art. And yeah, thank you for listening. It really means a lot to have you in this space with us. And your presence is so important. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Bye.